is Danish Dynamite, the Superliga podcast, brought to you by footballindenmark.com. Welcome to episode 17 of Danish Dynamite, and we're very much at the business end of the season. Every game has consequences and the narratives are forming. Before we get into the show, I just wanted to thank everyone who's become a Patreon during the course of the season. Your support of the show and of all the other bits of content I've been doing is very much appreciated. And of course, if you want to join this illustrious group of legends, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash football in Denmark to sign up for the price of a coffee a month. So let's get into today's episode. And I'm Delighted to be joined by Jesper Simoni, Alborg fan extraordinaire, who is going to help us delve into the wonderful world of Alborg and kick around some of the goings on in the Superliga across rounds 24 and 25. Jesper, welcome. Hi, Henry. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure. Well, let's get straight into talking about Alborg. Last season, the team were a few penalty kicks away from reaching Europe. What went wrong other than letting the goalkeeper take the first penalty in the shootout? Oh, where do you want me to start? Everything went wrong. Uh, all the problems, uh, in my opinion, all the problems that we have this season started in the last season. Uh, you could see all the the stats, all that we 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 performed, we overperformed to uh, to to our stats. So, um, well, if you want to know what went wrong, yeah, we missed a lot of penalties that match uh, that would have. Um, Secured us a spot at uh, at Europe, maybe securing us a uh, a few more uh, cash to uh, to improve the the team even more. But well, yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> and the, there've obviously been a number of managerial changes in the context of what happened under Eric Cameron. Is it possible to think that perhaps Lars Fries wasn't the problem and and should have been given more time? Well. If you ask like that, I have to say Las Fries was definitely not the problem. Every uh, Olbo supporter could see that uh, you, you, you saw on the, on, on, on the stadiums and television that they made banners that you can't sack you out of uh, your own miseries. That was too to uh, the the OB uh, board. So definitely a mistake uh, firing Lars Fries, definitely. Yeah, and what did he uh, what did he bring to the team when he came in, in terms of fresh approaches? Were there, was there anything you noticed tactically or in terms of uh, training or anything like that, that that struck you as being interesting? Well, I have to, to, to be honest, the, the tactical thing about football, that's not where I'm the strongest one. But I think that he, 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 he tried to... To, to pick a bit up where uh, Jakob Fries, uh, now a Vibor uh, manager, uh, left off. I know that a lot of uh, uh, my good friends and uh, who, who, who are uh, better in the tactics would say that they don't play exactly like that. But uh, the, 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 the pressure on the field, the, the way we try to attack, I, I think that was some of the, the elements that I saw. But the biggest problem was that you he probably forgot a bit about the defending part and well you know that's quite uh, important. I think the thing that I found so extraordinary because before the season I predicted Alborg to finish third this season so I've got egg all over my face here but currently you're sitting 12th place seven points from safety. It feels like a number of key players of course Luca Pripp, Lucas Anderson, Eva Fossum, Pedro Ferreira haven't hit anywhere near the levels we saw last season. Is that just a freak coincidence that all of them fell off a cliff form-wise, or is there is there something more at play? I think that it would be a lack of respect for the other teams just saying that it's a frequent coincidence that the the OB players they don't perform. That's definitely something wrong. Uh, if you look at our squad, 
I, in my opinion, we have a great uh, uh, team if they would perform like a team. But they, in my opinion, also they've been performing a bit uh, uh, individually. Uh, sorry for my English. Uh, and um, I don't think that we've been playing like a team. And I think that's a, a great problem because you can see all the stats. You can see the missing goals from from Luca Prip and Eva Fosamo that we we are way behind uh, last year. Yeah. And where do you think the the real level of this group, this squad, is? Because I don't think it's twelfth. It's it's not third. It's it's somewhere in the middle. But I'd be curious to know where where do you think if everything had gone as expected, where would this team be finishing? Uh, if I look at uh, teams uh, being uh, around uh, six, seven, eight, I don't think that when Olbo play to their best, that they are worse than Wanbu. I don't think that. I would say the same about uh, Odense, but we just lost twice, so perhaps a bit of uh, I'm going to jump over them. But I think that uh, if uh, the team that we have now played to their best, I would say uh, six, seven, eight. But that's you know we're twelve now, and that's what we have to 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 look at. Yeah. Also, during the course of the season, a new ownership group has has come in. Thomas Hitzelsberger has been sort of the 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 publicly known face of it, I guess. Is that been a, a positive or a negative? Do you think in terms of bringing in fresh investment? Is is that uh, like how do the fans view that? Um, I think uh, it has been perhaps a bit negative in that way that it has been taking way too long. And if you hear the the the, the chairman now, it uh, and also Thomas Balam before uh, the former CEO before he stopped, that uh, things went. Uh, quite slow, they couldn't do anything, they couldn't hire a new uh, sporting director after Ingenda Olsen got uh, sacked. Uh, so the, the thing with, with, with the, with the um, uh, SSE 22, the new ownership, has been taking way too long. But now they're here, and uh, I think, and I can see that my fellow OB supporters also think that it's a great thing, that they seem to have some knowledge bringing to the table. They got the smart money. They don't bring a lot of money. We have been uh, laughed a bit off that uh, OB is a cheap club. I don't give uh, so to say. So we, we need to we need to have the smart money, and uh, I think that Thomas Hitzelsberger, Bernard Peters, uh, Jan Peters bring that to the table. So looking uh, into next season, whether it would be first division or uh, Superliga, I think that's gonna be a great ride. But where does it start? Is it the Superliga or is it the first division? That's the the, the main question. Yeah. Yeah, this might be a difficult question to answer, but in the cold light of day, could playing a season in the division below actually be a positive, you know, a chance to build momentum? We've seen both Viborg and Silkeborg both really benefited from, you know, having a season where they tore the league up and came up and, and the players who had helped them do that continued to perform at a really high level. Well, if you could guarantee me that we would uh, go back to the Super League after one season, I would probably say yes. We've seen, like you said, a lot of teams do it. Always have done it uh, three or four times. Uh, but I'm not uh, ready to take the risk. And I am not quite sure what kind of team do we have. If we get relegated, I'm not quite sure how uh, we're going to look. So I'm not ready to take the chance. And I do believe the new ownership uh, could bring uh, the knowledge that even if we only... <laughs> I'm going to finish like 10th and stay. I think the new ownership brings some good to the future. Yeah. 
And if you had to get your crystal ball out, yeah. if Alborg were to go down, who do you think is going to, to stay and who's going to go? And I'd be curious to know because I think with this new investment as well, there's a chance that guys like Sousa would probably be the most saleable asset. You know, there's yeah. a chance that they now have the money to to hang on to him. But I'd, I'd be curious to know who you think will uh, will stick with it should the worst happen. Yeah, well, the question is, uh, even if they have the money to, to to tell the players they have to stay, will the players respect that or is there going to be some trouble in, in the squad? I'm, I'm not sure that Sosa uh, is the type of player who takes a no for a no. Uh, so uh, I think players like uh, Lars Kramer, Sosa will be gone, Melde Hoyhold also, because they have some, some assets too. And we, we do need the, the, the money too. Sander, I think that he's gone, even if we, we stay there, He's, he's very talented. He's having a rough time uh, in, in all the last few months. But I think those are some of the players who definitely would leave. Got it. Yunus Bakis also. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's a fantastic player, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. qu- quite underrated in the league. And I, I think, obviously, he hasn't had the chance to, uh, to to really be noticed as much this season. But yeah, he's, he's a really, really exciting I player. Agree. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Before we dig into the the previous two games, I just wanted to ask about Pedro Ferreira because he he was a player who last season was was really really important. I was really impressed with his uh, his kind of inspector gadget, you know, go go gadget legs that that seem to stick out and intercept the ball. And it seems like he's kind of fallen out of favour, and I'm not really sure why. Is it just um, well, there was the error the other week uh, that led to the goal, but before that, was there was was there a significant drop off in his game? Yeah, I think that uh, to be a bit harsh on on Ferreira, I would say he's he's a he's a great uh, defensive midfielder, but he's a, a, a footballer. He can't do that. He's he's not good on the ball. And the way Obi plays now, the midfield, the, they have to they have to play football. They have to play the ball fast. And Ferreira, he's he's a, uh, he's like he's doing all the the cleaning up when everyone else fails, and also uh, having trouble. Will be having trouble playing both Hoyhol and Ferreira, and definitely, I think Ferreira is a great player, but a great asset to Obi. But he's not that good of a football, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I guess that idea of having a, a number six who just is strong defensively and, uh, and not so much on the ball. I guess that's a, a yeah. bit of a dying breed. You know, you've got centre backs who can play sixty-yard passes onto someone's foot. So I guess, yeah, yeah. I, I see what uh, you mean. I, I, I would also say that perhaps Pedro Ferreira is a, a good mirror of something that's wrong in Obi. We're not uh, able to sell players when they kind of peak. You know, uh, uh, there were talks about uh, selling Ferreira uh, for like 3 million euros at, at some point, And now uh, some clubs may, might want uh, money uh, with him, you know. Uh, at, at some times, you know, we have to bring the cash to the table just to get rid of him. And, uh, well, we've seen that a lot. We've seen that with uh, Rasmus Talanda. Now he's back again. We've seen that with uh, Ewa Fossum now, he, who is the most expensive uh, foreigner we have in, in Obi in, in our entire history. And so the, the, the board definitely thought that we could make some great money off him. Jakob Rene also. So I think those players, they, they also kind of mirror of what's wrong in, uh, in Obi, that we haven't been able to sell players. Therefore, our economy uh, is, uh, to say the least, bad. Just going into the, the previous couple of games, it feels like since Hamron's departure, there's there's been a visible uplift in terms of the team's belief, performances, whatever. It hasn't necessarily translated to points that there was a very frustrating 3-2 defeat to, to Odense where it felt like 
Alborg were just shooting themselves in the foot. There was that Ferreira error that led to the first goal. Sander gave away a pretty poor penalty. And 3-2 wasn't what you deserved from the game, I don't think. And then 1-0 up against Michelin, a late equaliser from Isaksen. And so taking, you know, one point from a potential six. Was that the result against Michelin that put the nail in the coffin? Or is there still hope that a seven-point gap can be made up, given that you, you are playing better than under Hamron? Yeah, well, I think the biggest problem at the moment now is that we don't win enough football matches. Uh, that's pretty clear. And also that we uh, to we, we have to look at how does Horsens do, uh, how does Lyngby do, but especially Horsens. We play some, some great football, but we don't do it for 90 minutes. And that's a, uh, that's a great problem. Uh, the match against uh, Odin's uh, first half, some of the, the worst I've, I've seen all season for, for Olbo. And uh, you have to remember, they, they do get, uh, they, they, they go into the match with some confidence. I, I do know that they, they lost 1-0 in, in Bebo, but they went through to the semifinals in, 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 in the cup. And so they should have some, some you know, a bit of a high going into the match. And they just started out like they were, killed in the match before uh, and then uh, all due respect uh, to the team the second uh, half they, they they played very well had uh, Theo Sander not uh, uh, committed that foul the, the penalty I, I do believe that we all won it because we were hammering down uh, Odense uh, but again the, the, those uh, small marginals that's always against the, uh, the the bottom teams and we get what we deserve, in my opinion. I'm not going to sit here and cry, and, and that's unfair because we get definitely what we deserve. I will say that we've not been lucky against the Midtjylland. The, the, the nil-nil uh, a few months ago uh, at home, we, we played very, oh, yeah. very well. Uh, very well. Uh, some of the best football I've seen in Olbo for years, not only this season, last season, definitely for years, we played them very well. We got a nil-nil, and now we played... I think a great match down in uh, in Herning, but again, it's it's one all and it's one point, and now we can celebrate that Horsens lost, but we need to celebrate that we win our own matches. Yeah, yeah. If you had to put your neck on the line, what would you say? Abel staying up or a season in Division One? I don't think we're going to stay up, so I think it's going to be Division One. Uh, I think seven uh, points, seven matches. Uh, definitely in, in doing all the math it's possible but we've have we have uh, uh, at the winter break it was eight points I think so we just got one points on Horsens and we just keep talking about we're doing great Horsens they have been so bad it's I don't believe how bad they've been and we only picked up one point so I can't uh, I, lack of respect for, for the, what Horsens do uh, and Lundby what they are doing at the moment to say that I believe that the old boy is going to stay up I don't I definitely hope, but I don't believe it. Got it. Well, the next test is going to be Friday night away to Silkeborg, who I feel like a, a bit of a fading force this season. It feels like not making it into the championship group has sort of taken the wind out of their sails. So might be a good time to play them. Yeah, uh, might uh, be uh, not a great time. You never know. It's <laughs> honestly they have a half. Uh, their squad has, has former uh, Olbo players and some of the players that perhaps uh, I'm just going to say some things that uh, left on a bad note. They always do well against uh, Olbo. The way they play, even though they're playing uh, at the moment not good, I have zero confidence that we're going to get points out of it. But I have to say that if we ever going to do uh, good down uh, in Silgeborg away from home it should be friday night i really really hope 
if you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna dip into a couple of the other games. Um, yeah. And actually, before we do that, there was a question from Twitter where Boss asked how much of a surprise has Odense's season been? To me, I think it's roughly what I was expecting, but um, yeah, I'd be curious to know your thoughts. I'm so sorry, but I'm so sick and tired of Odense. I'm just, you know, uh, if you look at the squad, I don't think they have that great of a squad. But again, they get their point, and just, I just, I wish that. Uh, that Olbo would get those points. I think uh, Odense, they play sh- they fight at the training ground, they do everything wrong, but they get their points. I respect that, but uh, thinking of how many, how much money they put into the squad every year, they underperform again and again and again. So the question is, are they underperforming or is this just the new normal? I'm not impressed, but they're not going down, so they should be happy. All right, that was uh, that was pretty comprehensive. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry, just oh, I'm so tired. We just lost twice to them in a month. I'm just oh, I'm so tired. Let it all out. AGF uh, are probably worth talking about because they've they've been on a, a bit of a resurgence this season. In round 24, they won away one nil at Viborg. A very nice goal by Jakob. I'm not sure that there's a, a more satisfying goal in football than a half volley. But then they lost 1-0 away in Bromby this weekend, uh, despite having 19 shots. The question is, they're, they're one point off the top three. Dookie on Twitter said, who do you see winning gold, silver and bronze? And, and do AGF factor into that? For me, I have uh, enormous respect for Aarhus. They are definitely some of the top three rivals for, for Olbo, so I should be hating them. And, and uh, just the, between you and me, I really do hate them. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I have a lot of respect for what they're doing, the, the, the whole club, the finances, uh, uh, the way they, they, they play. I must say that uh, Rösler, the, the new manager, has been doing some great stuff uh, for, for AGF. They, they are collecting a lot of points. Uh, and... Uh, I don't. I really, really don't know how they lost that one yesterday. Uh, they, 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 they played some massive football, and uh, they definitely deserve better. But uh, if they had a striker besides uh, Patrick Mortensen, they would be a contender for, for, for perhaps even second place, or even more uh, on years where Copenhagen or Midtjylland doesn't top perform. Uh, so uh, I definitely think that. Uh, Aarhus are in for the third because the rivals, Vibor, I see them, well, it's a bit up and down and uh, I, I can't see uh, some of the other teams uh, do anything uh, more than they're doing at the moment. So I think that Aarhus are going to take uh, the bronze medal and I know for sure they will celebrate it like they've won the league. As they always do. <laughs> well, after after <laughs> narrowly avoiding relegation last season, I think the celebration is probably justified. And on, on that game on Sunday, when the 19 shots, so that is what it is, but Patrick Mortensen had a header from six yards out and, and it went straight at Hermanson. I would have bet my house on that going in because yeah. he, he d- doesn't tend to miss those. So a nice three points for Bromby, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Because the, the way... I've never, if you if you read in, uh, on Twitter, uh, I've never seen uh, Bonby fans so uh, sad, so you know, some of them even angry of how they played. They got a new coach, former assistant coach, who knows the club, but 
they are really, really uh, tired of the way he always plays like defending. Uh, I saw some uh, blog on Twitter writing that they ended up with nine defending players on the field and only two attackers with Ogi and Vallis. Uh, that's not that's not Brunby. That's not how I know Brunby. They are all out attack. But now they, they, they play like they are the ones fighting for relegation. Kudos for getting the three points, but everything else, wow. That was not good. Yeah, and the strange thing is that they're in this kind of no man's land where yeah. they can't finish below sixth, but they've also got almost no chance of reaching a European place. So why not go gung ho? Why not play exactly. uh, attacking? And you know what's the worst that can happen? That they finish yeah, sixth. Exactly, but I think that I think that also perhaps you some of the young players don't understand why a player like Karl Björk joins the team before Svato. Who, who's a, a, a million dollar sale, I would say, uh, in the future. And Jesper Sørensen talking about also having to uh, getting the right height into the next season. And I do respect that because everyone, if I have to talk about Obi, said that we didn't win the last eight or 10 games last season. That Well, next season, it's a new season, all that. If you start next season also losing, you're going to be where we are now. So I do respect that one. We also are looking that they cannot just lose 10 matches in a row uh, in, in in the top league like the, the and then uh, start on scratch for the next season because that's uh, difficult. But when that said, I agree they should do better than playing like a relegation team because they do. And what do you think they need to do in the summer? Well, they always talk about, especially after new owners, that they have a lot of cash to splash. I've not seen it yet. I've seen a lot of 20-year, 22-year-old Norwegian players joining from, from Viking uh, or where they join from. I do believe they're going to uh, have to, to, to buy into the squad because the, some of the, the starting players definitely have the, the, the level to play. But the, the players from the bench, it's way too... Uh, they're not good enough if they want to be where Wembley says they want to be. Two more teams that I wanted to touch on. Firstly, relegation rivals, Lungby. You said earlier that you don't think that Alborg are going to survive. Do you think Lungby have a chance of surviving versus versus Horsens? They've, they've been playing very well since they sold a, a bunch of their key players in January. Yeah, but talk about selling out uh, in January. Everyone said they just sold out. They Get, collecting all the cash, getting ready for the first division, and now they they play really great. I, I must say, I if I had to bet right now, I would say that they would stay up, and uh, Olbo and Horsens were were to go down. Lyngby, well, Horsens also, but especially Lyngby, they know how to fight their way out of uh, relegation. They know how to to play in the bottom league. None of the Olbo players know how to perform under that kind of pressure, because none of them have ever been in a relegation uh, battle before. And Lungbu, they just, uh, in their minds, I believe they've, they've said in January, we're already down, just gung-ho, like you said, and it's working. So I do believe they have a chance to, to, to stay up. Can I just say, Marcel Roma, wow, just kudos for him. All the, the bad history of him losing his, his wife a, a year ago. And you could see all the emotions uh, yesterday when he scored that goal. That was just goosebumps all over. And uh, I would also like to thank him for the, the clearance on the, the line in, in five minutes at a time uh, to secure the, the, the victory yesterday. So, uh, Marcel Roma, what a man. Yeah, great guy. Great guy. Yeah. And for, for anyone who, who didn't see, Lungby won 
2-1 against Horsens at, on the weekend, a result that reduces the gap to safety to six points. They're level on goal difference now with Horsens, seven games to go, so obviously 21 points left. So all to play for there. And I know, I, I know the fans feel like the momentum is definitely in their favour. At the other end of the table, I also want to talk about FC Copenhagen. They lost last week to Rana's 1-0, and that was a game that I think maybe the performance warranted it, you know. So they came into this game against Viborg last weekend, a lot of pressure on them. They came away with a 2-1 victory. And this, to me, and I, I, I got I got a lot of uh, negative responses on Twitter about this, but I said that this result, to me, felt like this was them putting their stamp on the title because I think when you can beat a rival without playing anywhere near your top level, that's always a good sign. So I, I wanted to ask you, is this, are these last few performances for them a bump in the road? Or do you think that this is kind of symptomatic that perhaps they won't last the distance? Well, before before losing uh, away at Rannas, they, they, they won nine in a row. So they, they know how to win. They are in a, a winning streak. They're in a winning mood. Uh, of course, there will be bumps uh, on their way. And I do also agree with you, uh, Henry, saying that they didn't play that well against people, but they got the three points, and that's just what championship uh, teams do. So uh, I must say that I, I would, uh, I, I do think that Copenhagen is going to take it. Yeah, yeah, and I, it, it really just, the point that they're, they've got so much strength in depth was just made so clearly yesterday when you saw they're bringing off the bench guys like Cornelius, Rooney Bardaji, you know, Christian Sorensen. These are guys should who... should be illegal. It's definitely, that should be illegal. <laughs> How can you do that? Wow. <laughs> yeah, it, so it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah. But before we, uh, before we wrap up for this week, there was uh, a question from UDLP fan DK who said, after the, the league split uh, has, has been introduced, I've seen some debate on whether the current format is the most appropriate since a team could finish eighth with more points than teams finishing above. How fair is the seventh versus third or fourth playoff for a European spot? And is there a better alternative? Well, if you ask me, uh, the last two years, uh, OB, we have lost the playoff match from number four spot against number seven. And we also lost it from number seven against number four, uh, Aarhus at the time, both on penalty kicks. So what do I think about it? I think uh, you have to, if you ha- if you have to have the league split, you have to have something for the uh, lower six to play for. Otherwise, it would be uh, for some of the teams ten matches that they can't use for anything. Should it be uh, should it be a, a spot at, at Europe? I'm not sure what other alternative there, that there is. So I'm gonna say even though we we lost tw- twice in a row, that I do believe it's okay and. Uh, talking about that the lower six teams could have more points than top six teams will top six teams play each other it's better team so of course uh, some of the let's say Michelin should be able to get more points than perhaps Brøndby because Michelin play Olbo they play Lillingby they play Horsens and Brøndby playing Nordsjælland AGF Copenhagen so that's just the name of the game that the, the clubs have decided yeah, I, I'm I'm a bit of a, a weird hybrid on on football. In some things, I, I love tradition, and some things, I love the more modern aspects. And I think that you know, as you say, when if you are going to implement a league split, then you do need a carrot for them. And I actually really like the the, the fact that um, a team like Viborg 
can can get into Europe and uh, and they certainly weren't a disgrace when they got in there. You know, you know, I was at the game at the Olympic Stadium. They they played a really good game against West Ham. So I think that uh, to 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 give teams in the relegation group that chance, and you know, they've still got to beat a team that's third in the league. So uh, it, it's a it's a a tough ask anyway. So yeah, I, but I'm, I'm all for it. Could I just say that I I, I think it's a bit weird because. The re- one of the reasons why we, we made the split was to, to also to, to, to make Danish teams perform even better in Europe, the top six teams playing each other, getting better, getting ready. And now we, we have a situation where we could send a, 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 a bottom six team out in Europe and letting perhaps even uh, AGF not the playing. I, I do know that uh, AGF haven't been doing that well in Europe, <laughs> to, to say the least, but... We also uh, we are in a situation where the better team uh, will not go to Europe and would not get those points that Denmark needs to to get a higher up on on, on the rankings. So it's there's it's a bit some for some against. Uh, well, I just want to survive the Super League for next season. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, Jesper, it was a, a huge pleasure talking to you, and I hope that Lady Luck shines her light on uh on on you for some of the next few games if anything just to make make it a bit more interesting you know i think that a close relegation battle is uh is what everyone wants to see so um i hope that your guys can can step up and uh, and put some points on the board thank you thank you so much Henry. and if you want to follow jesper on twitter he's at jesper simoni thanks so much for your time hope you enjoyed it definitely thank you brilliant So we're going to take a break now. When we come back from the break, I'll be joined by the founder of Pundit Games, Jonas Heyman Jensen, for a little Danish football quiz. So uh, look forward to that and catch you after the break. Welcome back. Something a bit different on the show. If you've been listening for some time, you'll have heard me mention Pundit, a football trivia board game that blows every other board game out of the window, and not just because my win rate is 3-0. and But the founder of Pundit is not just a Dane, but a Dane who loves the Super League. So I thought I'd bring him on to test my knowledge and test his in the process. So I'm delighted to welcome Jonas Heyman Jensen to the show. Jonas, welcome. Uh, thank you. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. The season's coming to an end, which is going to be sad, but I think that I think my wife will appreciate the break from there being constant Super League of football in the kitchen. Oh yeah, I agree. The the, the pain of following my team once it's also uh, I'm I'm done with it. <laughs> it, it, it's, it seems like it seems like you guys are safe for the season. It can uh, can put your feet up and just enjoy the last few rounds. Yeah, definitely. But you know, in in contrast to uh, growing up with a team that was winning all the time, this is uh, it's it's been a painful ten years. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully, the good times are coming back. But I, I've I've wondered if you could just talk a little bit how you got into Danish football in the first place, and, and why you love why you love Odense, why you love the Superliga. Yes, definitely. So uh, I I think the right place to start is just to say that I love. Ube Unse, uh, and that's I didn't have a choice. My dad uh, is from Fyn, raised there, moved to Copenhagen, and then as soon as he had the chance, uh, he moved straight back to Fyn and Unse, uh, and had uh, uh, not me. I was born in Copenhagen, but uh, like I had no choice. He was bringing me to the stadium, uh, Lars Hø. Uh, Hemmingsen brothers, Thomas Helvey, there was absolutely no choice for me. And uh, 
yeah, it just uh, so also just so happened to be the greatest league on the world in the world. So uh, that's lucky. <laughs> <laughs> At least we know brainwashing does work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and in all your time as an OB fan, what's uh, what's been your favorite memory? Would you say? So this is gonna sound like I I don't know my history, but I will just say as a fan who was actually there, the Champions League qualification matches against. Villarreal, Panathinaikos in, in the late, uh, well, early 2010s, uh, late 2000s was, I mean, those were amazing, amazing nights in Uenza. Uh I wish we could get those back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I remember as, as an Arsenal fan playing you guys in the mid-90s, I think it was, and, and that was one of my first experiences <laughs> of European football. So the name's always, uh, always been in my head. And then when I got into the Super League, I realized that I realized why. Yeah, exactly. No, my my dad all like that's what he would always tell me. Oh, back when Owenza was in Europe, we we met, we played Arsenal, we played Liverpool, and of course the Real Madrid games is his big big thing that he would always hammer us with. Remember, we beat Madrid in Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do a, a bit of a quiz today, but before that, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about pundit. It's definitely one of my finds of last year. I'm looking for anything that isn't a video game, basically. <laughs> and this was uh, this seemed perfect. So I wondered, how did the idea for the game come about? And wh- what was the thinking behind, I don't know, going for a board game format rather than something digital? The story goes that me and a colleague, we met each other in New York where we were working together. And uh, we sort of had like a classic paper pusher uh, job. And in between pushing the papers, we realized that, oh, we can actually challenge each other in, in football quizzes as well. Uh, and, and I don't know, our mind just immediately went to, oh, this could be a board game uh, where other people might have thought this could be like a digital something. But we were just completely immediately aware that this was going to be an analog game where you can sit with your friends and just talk about football, essentially. Uh, and that, that, that is the idea. The idea is, of course, to play against each other and guess, guess, get the right guesses and all that. But it's mostly to start a conversation about football nostalgia, taking you on a journey through uh, the players that you forgot and the, the games that you forgot. And then you can talk about those again. So, uh, so that was the idea. Yeah, there's, there's something brilliant about when I last played it. We just got talking about particular players who came up. So, like, who's the missing left back from this uh, this Brazil lineup? And you, you just start sharing memories, and it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's really nice in that sense. Exactly. Well, then you got the right gist of the game. That's exactly what it's supposed to be. Like you're supposed <laughs> to forget about you know, oh, it's only 45 minutes. You're just supposed to talk about uh, the players. Yeah. yeah. If you don't stop midway through to put on a, a YouTube video from the mid 90s, <laughs> you're uh, you're doing it wrong. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you clearly placed a lot of emphasis on the design aesthetic, which I I love. But I wonder why was that element so important to you? I think I, that's such a good question. I I think in the beginning. Actually, me and Sajiv, we, we, we didn't really think anything of it because we were more focused on like that the content needed to appeal to people. But we had an, a third uh, person come on the game, Gottfried, and he immediately said, okay, okay, we also need the, the aesthetic to match that feeling. Uh, and, I, and we just like, we totally agreed. And uh, we placed a lot of emphasis on creating that sort of throwback feel, vintage feel to the game so that you not only get it when you read the questions but also when you look at the game definitely fantastic yeah. well let's start testing your knowledge and um i'll see if i can match up to the 
the quiz master here because you, you, you've obviously spent a lot of time knee deep in football trivia. So let's see how we go. Um, so how it's going to work is uh, I'm going to ask Jonas eight questions. He's going to ask me eight questions. And whoever is the winner at the end of that, that process gets to choose a charity for us both to donate to. So some good will come out of this. Um, so I'm going to kick things off and I'm going to ask you, who is the all-time top scorer in the Superliga? That is Morten Duncan Rasmussen. Fantastic. Straight off the bat. I thought I'd give you an easy one to start with. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. he played for AGF, Bromby, Michelin and Alborg. So he's uh, he's done the rounds in the Superliga. Vicious goal scorer. I hated him because he was so good, you know. Here's <laughs> <laughs> okay. question two. Of the current Superliga teams, which is the furthest north, east, west and south in the country? Ooh. Wow. So north is must be Albor, Obi. Correct. Most southern, I think it's Unse, my team. Correct. Most uh, west, that's got to be Midtjylland. Correct. And most east. East, oh. is a, east is a tough one, right? Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm inclined to say FC Copenhagen. Oh, I nailed it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> two out of two. Okay. Lars Ho is the all-time appearance record holder for Obi with a staggering 817 appearances. But which players are second and third in the list? Oh, my God. That's so unfair. And I should know this. Uh, damn. I think we have uh, Mikael Hemmingsen. Correct. Oh, and, oh, my God. My, my friends are going to laugh at me. That I don't get the third one. Could it be Ellen Hansen? I'm afraid not. It was Steen Nedegaard. Of course. Oh, my God. Oh, please cut this out, though. <laughs> Let's see if you can get back on track with this one. Who is the player who was sold for the biggest fee by Obi? Uh, that's Pierre Pearson. I believe not. I believe it's uh, Fall. GB Fall? Yeah. Okay. To Locomotive Moscow, 2009. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I guess if you adjust for inflation and all that. <laughs> but okay, yeah, I, I, Fowler, I'm, I, I think you're right. He's the official one, definitely. Number five. In 1993, Odense played Arsenal in the Cup Winners' Cup, a game that is very close to my heart. The tie finished 3-2 on aggregate to Arsenal, but who scored the two goals for Odense over the two legs? I'm going to say, did Alphonse Chami score in that one? He did not. And the other one in 1993... Mm, yes, Torp. I'm afraid not. I, this was a bit of a trick question because one of the goals was a Martin Keown own goal. Ah, okay. <laughs> the other was Alan Nielsen, who uh, of course went on to play for Spurs. I wonder how much scoring against Arsenal uh, helped that move to Spurs. And he also played for both FC Copenhagen and Bromby, which is yeah. a, a limited he, number of players who can say that. Yeah, if, if it's okay he's ha he, to talk about him, he's had such a weird career when you look at it. It's like... He starts out as a youth player in Espia and then goes straight to Bayern Munich. And then, he, and then he has, like, I don't think he plays for them. And then he comes home. And in the span of one and a half, two years, he plays for UB, Bonby and FC Copenhagen and then leaves again. It's such, such a weird career. <laughs> Question six. I believe you've got three out of five now. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Did, uh, I'm going to give you two out of five, actually. Two out of five, yeah. Because yeah, Pierre Peterson was wrong. <laughs> Two out of five. Can you name three British players to have played in the Superliga? Yes, I uh, should be able to. Uh, Liam Miller. Technically, Liam Miller's 
from Ireland. So. Oh damn! So you're not gonna even take that? Uh, no. Yeah, that's true. He's he's. Irish. I thought it actually he was Scottish. So that's my bad. I'll give you a helping hand. One of them was last season. You had you had a Brit playing in in the the Superliga last season. It's embarrassing. No, I got a forfeit on this one, Henry. <laughs> Jack Wilshire. Oh my God! Yes. Ah, uh, he 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 was so forgettable that I forgot him. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there were a number of interesting names there when I was looking at the list. There was uh, Chris Kawomia, obviously ex-Arsenal. He, oh, uh, I got had... him. Yeah, yeah. And can I bring in uh, the Chrissy Velumo, my favorite cultural. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Scotland's finest. And uh, yeah, there were some, some really interesting names there, actually. Uh, Mark Robbins, Scott Sellers. Yes. Mm. Uh, yeah. But I can't give you the points for that one, I'm afraid. So how about this one for number seven? Who holds the record for the most goals scored in a single Super Superliga season. Ooh, uh, I think it's Robert Skoll, right? Or Ederson? Oh, it is Robert Skoll. Yeah, yeah. Twenty-nine goals in the 2018-19 yeah. season. What a yeah. what a strange career he's having because he's come from being a goal scorer to sort of like a wing back in, yeah. uh, in Germany. Yeah, I think you're right. He, he, I think he was just a two levels above everyone else in the Superliga, so he could have played at left back and still backed uh, thirty goals. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he was just so good. Yeah. Right, final question. This is a chance to, to go 50%. OB's stadium has a capacity of 15,633. Where does this place it in terms of stadium size in the Superliga? Oof. Are we the, I think we're uh, fourth largest. Correct. Yes, good. Bingo. <laughs> Four out of eight. Pretty good going. Yeah. I, I think there's one of my questions that, uh, that that now needs to go out because you actually mentioned it in your question. So I'll see <laughs> if, if maybe we can pause it when we get to, to there and I could like come up with another one. <laughs> um, I'm worried about this because uh, I've only been watching the Super League about four seasons now. So yeah. I'm I, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna really be putting my knowledge to the test here. I mean, to to the listeners out there, I'm sure this is gonna be you're gonna feel this is so unfair, and I'm sorry, Henry, uh, in advance <laughs> if the, if if you if you're gonna hate me after this. But uh, let's let's try, right? Let's try. Yeah. Um, okay. So my first one is um, uh, so who who has played the most games in the Superliga for Vipo? Uh, Jeppe Groning. That is. Incorrect, I'm afraid. Uh, yeah. He, he's, yeah, he's up there. But there's this one guy, and you should check him out after. He's called Jakob Glerup. He's like a 90s cult hero, redhead. And he stated that he never had an agent. He's like Paul Scholes. And he was just like, I'm never going to play for anyone else than people. <laughs> just like basically. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you got me there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm an Obey fan. So my next question is, uh, who's actually scored the most goal, goals for Obey in the Superliga? So that's in the modern era from 1992 and onwards. That's a tough one. Um... I'm going to have to go with one of the... Who am I going to go with? Shall I say Steen Nedegaard? Oh, no, I'm afraid not. He's a, he was a defender in midfield, but uh, there's this one guy called Mwape Miti. You should look okay. him up as well. Oh, man, you're killing me here. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> they will be easier, I promise. Um, but but uh, he's, he's a... Definitely uh, worth a look up in your Google search as well. Uh, he came from Zambia with another friend, uh, and they just uh, had a ride at OB. He scored, wow. I think, 70 goals uh, for OB in the Amazing. 90s and 2000s. All right, so sticking on OB, uh, I'm going to ask you who was the two coaches 
that won the three silver medals uh, from 2009 to 2011. Oh man, this is before my time. So yeah. I'm really, I'm really struggling here. I'm going to have to pass on this one. Okay, so one is actually, uh, he, uh, he won the 1992 European Championship with Denmark, Lars Olsen. And the other oh. one is uh, Henrik Clausen. So that was a tough one as well. <laughs> give, give, give me some more recent stuff. I need, yeah. to, I need to put some points on the board. Damn. Okay, it's coming. I promise you. Yeah, you, you, you will get some of these. Okay, so my next question is about Obi uh, up in the north, not Unser. Uh And I'm going to ask you, which goalkeeper holds the record for most games for Obi? Hmm. He, I can tell you that he's second of all-time appearances, with Erasmus Würz being number one. Is it someone who's still playing? No, I'm sorry. And he, he's actually in the US now, but I will say he has a pass at Millwall. Okay. Hmm. Uh, Danish goalkeeper, ex-Millwall, currently in the US. No, I'm afraid I'm going to have to pass on that one as well. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> his, his name is Jimmy Nelson. And, Jimmy uh, Nelson, okay. Yeah. Oh man, this is a rough one. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um but it's I've, i also have an unfair advantage uh to you so uh that's that that's on me um how, how many championships have aggie f won we're talking titles post super league launch or all time no, all time yeah so like how many times have they been named danish champions i'm gonna go with five that is correct sir <laughs> there you go you can still uh, draw me then um <laughs> So, and the latest one, it was in 1986. So, uh, it's even longer than Owens's like, yeah. latest one. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy about that. Okay, question number six. What year was FC Copenhagen formed? That was 1993. Uh, 1992. Was it? I thought, that, I thought Super League was 92 and yeah. FC, FC Cup was 93. Damn. I mean, let, let, let me check while, while we're on here. Uh, I, I want this to go down and correctly, but uh, I'm pretty certain they're formed. Uh, yeah, I think it was 92, actually, now I think yeah. about it. Uh, and, and Super League of first season was 93, is that right? I think you're right, yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, man. No, I, th I thought that one was an open goal. Yeah, I've, uh, I've missed it. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, okay. This one, I think you, you're going to have a good guess at. Uh, name the top five clubs with most European matches. So I think we can straight away say FCCO, Michelin, Bromby, and yeah. Obi. Yeah, definitely. And Obi, which one? Odense. Yeah, definitely. Um, but then the fifth one. Uh, I'm thinking... Alborg had a, a period where they were in Europe quite a bit. AGF have been in Europe. Norgeland have been in Europe. I think Alborg. Definitely. Yeah, there you go, got Henry. It. You got it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I'm going to pose uh, the last one. Uh, my last question for you is about the current season. And I want to ask you, who is FC Copenhagen's current top scorer in the Superliga? This should be, this should be an easy one, shouldn't it? I'm going to say Victor Clayson. Correct. There you go. All right. Nice. Okay. Well, 4 3, rescued yeah. it at the end. Yeah. Uh, it's a creditable defeat. 
<laughs> I, I now realize how unfair I was. So uh... <laughs> I was shooting in the wind for the first few questions because uh, my Superliga knowledge beyond about four or five years ago is uh, is thin on the ground. It's not completely absent, but um, there wasn't a question on John Jensen, for example. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know I should have included that. Yeah would have been an open goal but I, I'll, I'll take the 4-3 defeat um, and uh, would you like to select a, a charity for us to both donate to? Yeah I think we should do uh, stick with the Danish stuff and then donate to Kraftens Bekimpelse which is a uh, battle against cancer I guess I don't know what the English uh, word is but I'll, I'll send you over the, the name of it. Fantastic sounds good Great cause, happy to lose if if that's the result, and uh, and yeah, re- really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed putting our, our knowledge to the test. Um, I've got some uh, I've got some homework to do on the uh, on the nineties, uh, and I'm sure that I'm sure there's plenty of people who are going to help me with that. But yeah, um, that's but my yeah. my favorite era of the Danish Superliga, Henry. <laughs> Jonas is wearing an OB Adidas shirt from I'm going to guess that's early nineties. Uh, it's actually late. It's uh, from the season they got relegated, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, yeah. Season, yeah. So vintage era for football kits. That fantastic. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Jonas. And where can people go if they want to pick up a copy of the game? Thank you so much for having me. So we actually have three websites, three domains. So if you're in the UK listening, you should go to punditgames.co.uk and use uh, Henry's code that I'm sure he's going to mention in a minute. And if you're a Danish listener, it's punditgames.dk with the same code. That Henry had. Fantastic. Yeah. And if you put in the code Danish in all caps at checkout, you will bag yourself a, a nice discount there. So hopefully you can do better than four out of eight when you're playing with your friends. But um, yeah, it was a real pleasure having you on, Jonas. Keep up the great work with Pundit and uh, look forward to talking more Super League with you in the future. A pleasure. That's all we've got time for. The league is back. Friday, Sunday, Monday, after last week's change for Easter. Uh, so it all kicks off on Friday with Silkeborg taking on Alborg and a huge game Sunday lunchtime as Viborg and FC Norgeland face off in Jylland. Thanks for listening. Look after yourself and catch you next time for another edition of Danish Dynamite. <laughs>